You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 49. My name's Rusty and uh, we got a few guys in here tonight. So joining me here is uh, Andrew next to me. How are you going, Andrew? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Excellent. And uh, Greg asked me something different than how I'm going. How are you, <laughs> Rusty? Um, I'm fantastic and amused by your question. And joining us tonight, special guest is Galen. How are you, Galen? I'm well. How are you, Rusty? Um, that's what I'm Greg not asked ask me. You. No, yeah. you're not meant to ask me that. Anyway, that's no problem at all, mate. Now, Galen is joining us because we are doing a Precision Rifle Invitational Special tonight, talking about some of the bits and pieces. And Galen, oh, well done, mate. You came fourth overall out of 30 people. But we'll get more into that uh, slightly later. But, you know, probably congratulations are in order. Yeah. Definitely. Tough well, field. I'd, no, as we get to it later, but now big improvement from last year. And I think effort is... Um, rewarded so yeah well done thank yeah. you mate yeah, appreciate it absolutely so um uh before we get into that how's everyone's well few weeks been we've been tied up with all that sort of stuff you guys been well yeah not really a lot of shooting related activities but now we've just come off easter obviously and so unfortunately back to the grind but uh, <laughs> back no. into into life yep yeah i've been doing a fair bit of shooting but uh i'll just critters not so much uh, yep. practical stuff. The but, stuff um, you do? Yeah. So, yeah, it's been Thermalizing good. Thermalising plenty of animals. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, so. Yeah, really ex- good. Excellent. Galen? Yeah, I've just been debriefing from the uh, PRI and uh, starting to think about the next go-round, which is uh, coming up pretty shortly. Oh, yeah. Well, that brings us on to, I guess, another topic, which is the uh, the official announcement of the Precision Rifle Shoe uh, Series Australia Edition um, being launched here um, so listeners may have been listening for a little bit will remember that we uh, I was over in uh, the US with special Greg and uh, while we were over there we went to the PRS finale and that was all part of uh, being you know sort of working towards getting them to uh, be present here in in Australia and so the if you haven't seen it yet the first PRS uh, sanctioned event will be run in June in Mildura and Galen you're heading up for that I certainly am yep yeah, it looks to be uh, quite good. It's the um, Vortex-sponsored Cold Steel Open uh, for the first ever event. So um, details on that. We probably should actually run through some details on that so the guys listening uh, will know about it. But we also will certainly put all that stuff on both uh, Facebook and on um, the details for this po- uh, podcast. So it is, as soon as I can get this um, computer thing to work, it is the second of the second till the fourth of June at the Mildura Double S Double um, and there are there are limited spots available, so make sure you book in. We'll put up a link as well, but you can find the Precision Rifle Series AUS Oz, uh, on Facebook to be able to find the link uh, to be able to actually register. And there is a huge amount of prizes up for grabs and a whole stack of support out of the US. Um, and also a bunch of Australian companies as well, which is uh, really good to see the support this thing has uh, uh, grown. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with the Precision Rifle series, probably haven't been listening to us for very long. Um, and yeah, I guess what we're going to cover tonight, which is um, not a predecessor, but a, a certainly um, part of what what sort of led to the PRS being available here in Australia. So it'll give you a bit of a taste of the type of things you may encounter at the shoot. Galen, are you excited about it? Yeah, I'm. I'm 
very excited, a bit of nervous excitement as well. Um, it's a fairly big deal, and uh, I think there's going to be some pretty uh, pretty good shooters there. So, yeah, excited and, and, and pretty keen to get going, to be honest. Yeah, it, it should be uh, fun. You say it's a big deal. I mean, it's exciting. Is it? I, I, I don't want anyone to be intimidated by that, though. It's just to get along and actually shoot. Oh, I mean, you know, there, yes, there'll be good shooters there, and but there were good shooters at the the uh, PRI we held not long ago, and you certainly more than held your own against them. So I think it's one of those things that, you know, there'll be a, a whole bunch of guys of of very good shooting ability. It's just how they hold up, I think, mentally. I mean, you you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, guys stress themselves out, and they don't perform well. So it's a, sort of a matter of holding it together mentally as well as your shooting ability. So. And what, one of the uh, the main reasons that I I shoot, I guess, is to surround myself with blokes that um, and ladies, I guess, if there's any around uh, shooting a PRS um, that do the same thing, Sean, uh, to do, you know, pe- people that do the same thing and and have the same um, same likes as as I do. And uh, at the uh, Impact Dynamics PRI, I met some really good chaps and uh, you know befriended uh, those people. And uh, yeah, looking forward to doing the same thing in Mildura. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's pretty exciting to see, you know, there's a pretty, as uh, Rusty said before, a pretty hefty prize table for the PRS shoot. Yeah, something like 30 grand worth or something. Yeah, and I can only imagine that will grow in subsequent events, you know, once it sort of really takes off. I mean, it is taking off more and more here, but I think once the PRS is well and truly established here, we'll see, you know, increasing prize tables. I mean, that's that's some good money there. And I I think for a a new shooter or someone that's relatively new to the... um, the practical rifle shooting, um, you know, it's a good place to learn as well. You might pick up some prizes uh, along the way, but a great place to, uh, to to run into some blokes that have, you know, maybe got a bit more skill and knowledge. Uh, I certainly learned, uh, you know, a great deal uh, over the competitions that I've done. Yeah, absolutely. But I think as well, you know, just for me, you know, I've always been interested in this type of shooting, but, you know, maybe 10 years ago, there was nothing really, you know, guys had their own little mini comps with me you know, amongst a few mates on private land but this is sort of bringing together people you know of similar interest and it's it's pretty exciting to see the the number of people coming out of the woodwork that have always been interested but now's the opportunity so yeah it's it's good and one thing that I, I probably want to um mention is that i mean we talk about a huge amount of prizes but same as what it was like at the pri the problem is a you know sort of running these things you don't want to see all those amazing prizes go into the hands of the guys who already have those things that are on the prize table. So um, of that prize mix, and I know the thing, the same thing happens a fair bit in the States, and it did happen for us on the PRI, and will happen at the PRS, is you know you, you sort of want to get some of those good prizes into the hands of guys that actually need it, rather than the shooters at the top that actually have got most of the gear. You want to reward them for coming first, but um, you also want to be able to sort of help those guys who are up and coming so a lot of those prizes i suspect will be given out randomly or for other criteria that doesn't necessarily base completely on top performance yeah and that that certainly encourages those guys with you know without the 10 or 15 years of experience to you know to come and compete you know if you were to uh to come and shoot knowing that where you place is not necessarily critical for you to walk away with something you know, such as the shoot the uh, NT guys are having. Yeah, it's a great you know, example. They've got an AI rifle as a door prize. So yeah. you could come last, but 
you're still in with a chance, equal chance of taking that rifle away. So that's why I registered for that one as well, <laughs> Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> uh, same same for me. That's why I registered for that one. I uh, wouldn't mind walking away with that. That'd be great. I, I certainly think that the PRS is a great opportunity for people. Um, I, I believe they've got two uh, two divisions uh, as well. Yeah, good so point. The division uh, that I'm shooting in is the open division. I think there's a production class as well. Yes, there is a production class, and I guess that probably requires some clarification around. So there's, I mean, the the, the rules read that it's an unmodified factory rifle um, with a scope and rifle package worth less than $5,000 or under $5,000 uh, Australian. But to put some clarity around that, the, the production division really is for those guys who are just getting into it or just getting into shooting and really to allow them to be able to compete and, and enjoy the, the match, um, not necessarily having all the fancy gear. Um, but, I mean, you change your stock or you change sort of a, a relatively minor change uh, and you're in your open. And to be honest, that's where most people really should be. If they've been shooting for a long time, um, open's really where you want to be. That particular match in Mildura is going to be limited to 600 metres. So I've been sort of saying to some guys that distance isn't the big driving factor for a challenge. The challenge will be shooting under time pressure, mental pressure, um, uh, problem solving or, or positional as well yeah and you know target size too you know you can have a yeah 600 meter shot on a you know relatively large target is is easy to make but if you put it on a small target yeah different story off a barricade becomes very challenging excellent so um yeah really excited to see the prs arrive in australia and see how it all kicks off and then of course um um there hopefully will be a couple of events this year and then uh, actually into a proper series next year with points counting over the year working towards a finale so have you uh you got a sort of an indication at this stage of uh how many shoots that will be over say the course of 2018 nothing locked down at this point andrew i'm expecting uh, probably around the six shoots mark i believe but again you know sort of very early days yeah absolutely got to try and try and work our way through Mujura first and then uh, and then see where it takes us from there but certainly plans are in the works to to try and get a reasonable series um, to end up with a bit of a finale for the year. Sounds good. Mm. So I guess we um, we probably now move on to um, what happened about what about three weeks ago now. Yeah, three. Well, hang three. on. How, how long haven't I had my car for? About three weeks. So yeah, yeah it'd be about yeah. about three weeks um, from the precision. How, mu- how much did that cost you? Yeah, uh, move on. <laughs> um, so on the, from the uh, Precision Rifle Invitational, uh, which was the Impact on MX uh, private um, invitational shoot, which, uh, yeah, I guess uh, was a few weeks ago. And, and to clarify everyone's role, so I was uh, fortunate enough to be match director. Andrew was a range officer for uh, three different stages. Greg, what were you doing? Range control, mate. Voice of God. The voice of God. <laughs> I like that. Um He's yeah, got Greg. a face for radio. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers. Greg kept up his radio uh, career and uh, basically talked on the radio the entire weekend. And Galen, yourself, you're a competitor. I certainly was and enjoyed every minute of it. It was a, a fantastic uh, event uh, run superbly by yourself and uh, the other uh, stage officers and everybody. It was, uh, we're not, we're not used event, to getting um, praise on this podcast. Oh, sorry, we usually give each other a hard terrible. time. Terrible. Hated every minute. So <laughs> you were saying you enjoyed the walking part as well? Is that what you were indicating? I or? knew that was coming up. Yeah. Yeah. The walking, not so much. Um, but, uh, you know, like, oh, just look, you're happy with the result and and, um, and the event was fantastic. I went there looking to 
to engage with some some people and you know meet some new people which which i did um and uh, you know i had some benchmarks that i wanted to uh, achieve and i exceeded those um so yeah very very happy with the weekend so greg you, you had an overview of everything do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on on the event overall Okay, so so from my point of view, I could see all the the range templates, I guess, and we had for, for someone not not aware of the competition at all. Yeah. Okay. So give them a pitch. What we had was three areas with how many stands we have in each five in each area. Uh, a team of what was supposed to be twelve went to each area, and then was split up and were rotated through those areas through uh, the ROs. Uh, ro- uh, rotated through the stages within each area and then we rotated areas so there was a lot of uh, movement between areas there was a lot of movement between ranges um, yeah in a team style event um, so yeah but basically I was controlling you know when ranges were hot and cold uh, making sure targets were maintained and that sort of thing yeah yeah, sweet. I, I think it's probably worth clarifying. It's it, it was held over a fairly big area. Um, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. we were discussing it was roughly six kilometres. The competitors had to walk. Mm. Um, plus driving. Yeah, plus driving. And it, they drove. Let's just clarify. They drove it a lot more than they walk. We just like to put that out there. Well, that would depend <laughs> on who you asked, I guess. But <laughs> maybe from not not from a mental point of view, but from you had distance. the best shoes. But, but yeah, basically, right. it was a you know it's a fairly it's a big property, um, and obviously with multiple range templates. It, yeah, two-day well, two event. Not trying to sort of toot Greg's horn, but it was a pretty critical job as far as you know maintaining yeah. the safety issues. So well, we, no one nice died, so it was good. Nice to yeah. Greg for uh, There's for too much one. paperwork. <laughs> yeah. No, it was good. You know, that, that sort of role was in the preparation, not so much in the execution. And, and we had good range layouts and templates, and we knew what was going on and where everything was laid out. So it was pretty easy to control. Yeah, so a three-day event with uh, the first day being just practice from the sort of standard setup that we use for, for training, and then... Uh, Two days of stages and challenges and interesting. We're we're gonna. I guess we're gonna take everyone through the stages, which will be interesting because Greg didn't see any. No, I didn't see a thing. Andrew saw the one he the ones he run. Uh, Galen shot them all, and I didn't see it. I don't know if I saw a single bullet get fired. Um, I was too busy on a quad bike, thoroughly enjoying myself, <laughs> which was which was really good fun. Um, so. Um, well, let's start out at the top, eh? That makes a lot of sense. Number, stage number one, Bermuda. Now, a few of you guys got to see some of these stages on the um, the team day we held down there, but Galen, do you want to r- recall for us uh, Bermuda? Unless anyone else knows Bermuda enough. No, I, I can. I'm not sure yep. if I remember the ranges, but um, Bermuda was um, shot off uh, three shooting positions. I think there was um, a prone position at uh, at uh, about 300 metres. I'll have it here in a second. There we go. Oh, there, you can have that there. So, 437 uh, metres. There you go. That's why I missed it. Whoops. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that explains uh, it. Four, 437 metres side-facing Fox Gong. Uh, I believe it was two rounds at that. Yep, two um, rounds at it. And then you'd swing around uh, at 90 degrees onto a tank trap, which was a wooden... Uh, Sort of tank barricade barrier, thing. Barricade. If you've At, seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, uh, it's yeah. the things in the water. Things in the on the beach. Yeah, yeah. on the beach and the, yeah. Uh, that was three twenty one at a, another side facing fox, two rounds, and then you'd swing ninety degrees, run to the Ute, 
uh, which was, I don't know, probably, what, 12, 15 metres, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a dash but not a sprint. Yeah, yeah, safely. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, you'd, you'd sort of stand on the ground, um, lay a rifle over the uh, the bed of the truck and, and shoot at 507 metres. Um, two rounds again, and I think we had 60 seconds, if I recall. Yeah, how'd you go? Um, yeah, two rounds on the first tar- a, a target, one on the second... I had some um, uh, some mag feed issues, which was actually rare for me. I don't normally have that issue. Um, and got to the ute, laid the gun down, and uh, the beeper went, and I ran out of time. So, um, yeah, not too bad, but not that great either. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah, and probably one thing there, I noticed you, you were having to flick 90 degrees from position to position. Did that play with you in terms of wind? Yes, yeah, certainly did. I uh, th- through the stage brief uh, once I had the angles and uh, uh, and range, uh, you know, basically take note of the uh, of the wind positions and um, you know adjust my dope card to to suit. Um, have that set up on my rifle and and yeah, I, I didn't dial. I held I held over on every shot. Yep. Um, just so that I could make it quick. Yeah. Nice. That, that drill or that stage, sorry, is actually from a drill we use on uh, on one of our training courses for Impact Dynamics, and that the reason it's in the location it was in that we made you walk to, uh, is because um, your first shot is in sort of the funnel of one wind channel, your third sort of angle um, across the U is in the funnel of another wind channel, and your middle one is at where those two wind channels meet. So, from a wind point of view, it's nightmarish. It, it was fairly challenging. <laughs> yeah, it was challenging. And I, yeah. I watched some shooters in my squad shoot it really, really well. Yep. Um, uh, they know who they are. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, you know, uh, for me, that was the second stage I ran on the day. Yep. Um, so, probably and, wind wasn't uh, too bad that It wasn't morning. too bad. It was in the morning. So, it yeah. wasn't too bad. Certainly I, I heard up. the blokes in the afternoon really struggled a yeah. little bit there. It's a it's a wonderful drill to be. And, and that arc is a, just over 180 degrees. Uh, so, it's certainly a real, a real challenge. Um, well, certainly later on in the day, on both the Saturday and the Sunday, we had what, very strong winds. I didn't think oh, to yeah. measure them, but I mean, they were blowing chairs over and spotting scopes and whatnot. <laughs> so... I think it would have been great fun to shoot in. <laughs> so, um, anything else on Bermuda? You guys didn't see Bermuda at all, did you? Nope. No, nope. Have to make you guys shoot that one some point soon. R- Rusty, I just you know, I think obviously when you do the video, you know, people will see the stage. I think yeah. maybe a little bit more clearly. Um, there was some. There's actually a video of that one floating around at the uh, moment. Yeah, we, we might link that one in. It's yeah. the only one that's been put out there. There were some blokes that shot it really well. Yeah, um, that Sean p- that from SDS. Yeah, correct, yeah. Specifically. Yeah. I know there's a couple of the guys who top scored, but Sean did really well. Sean shot it really well. And, um, you know, that's just an indication of him, I guess, bringing everything together at, I thought uh, it was just luck. at the right time. Yeah, it might be blind, <laughs> luck, blind luck, Sean, wasn't it? <laughs> blind luck, I think. Uh, all right, good. Um, so moving on to stage number two, this was the choice. Do you guys see, uh, Andrew and Greg, did you see this one at all? This was actually changed from the team day. So you may not have seen this in its in, in No, its but I, I certainly heard guys whinging. talking about, whinging about, <laughs> happy about, depending on who you spoke to. 
All right, so this was a, a stage where we wanted to incorporate a, a couple of different things. Um, one was a 90-degree shooting where you count the rifle over 90 degrees, what we've nicknamed raccoon shooting because if you don't hold the gun well, you end up looking like a raccoon. Um, and then the other target was a, a long-range one, 1,175 metres. So there's two targets. The, the first one was 208 metres. As I said, the second was 1,175. And the guys had six rounds and 90 seconds, and they could choose to shoot... Uh, at either target, 208 metres had to be on the cant, and the 1175 could be whatever position they liked. Obviously, most went or all went prone if they did that. Now, the uh, the little addition was that uh, if they shot both targets, they would get um, a bonus three points if they impacted both targets. So I know a few guys sort of hit their first one and then attempted to change target, but no one did it successfully. I think, Galen, you were the top scorer in this one, I believe. He's, he's gone smug. <laughs> he's looking very smug. Uh, I, I was, actually. Um, and uh, <laughs> and thank, humble, thanks for mentioning that. It, yeah. yeah, humble about it. That's all right. Look, you, owe me, you owe me 20 bucks. Yeah. No, look, I, I was. And um, I, I had a bit of a wry smile on my face when uh, Dan uh, had, you know, he sort of gave us a stage brief because... Um, the previous day at the practice day had a very, very short program of about probably 45 minutes of shooting, or, uh, which all revolved around shooting at a 90-degree cant and working out how to actually do it and how to do it effectively every time. So you did the 1175 then? So I didn't do the 1175. <laughs> I didn't actually transition onto that one because I was I was, I was was hitting the yep. the 208 at a cant and, and I'd watched a... Um, uh, watched a very very capable shooter shoot before me, and I can't remember how many he hit. I think he hit it once. Yeah, right. I think I can't remember. Um, you know who you are. Sorry if you hit it more than that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I laid down, uh, you know, prone and 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 shot it. The first two rounds I didn't um, hold for wind and missed, and I put the next four rounds on, um, you know, square, you know, firm square in the middle. So. Um, little bit of practice a uh, little bit of prior preparation i guess um which is you know something i advocate for you know for everybody when they're sort of coming into a competition scenario yeah, one thing i noticed uh rusty with that was on the friday you were the only person i saw i was watching you know people go through their various whatever they wanted to do you're the only person i saw that actually practiced shooting on a 90 degree camp so i thought ah well, having known obviously this was going to be in the in the comp, I thought he's got the right idea. The ninety degree can is something that that um, has been around for a little while, and um, people will argue that the actual value of it in a practical sense. But there is perhaps scenarios where it may it may end up being something useful. And there's actually a very simple process to go through to be able to get that data and apply it, which you obviously we we worked on. Friday morning, I was happy to give that information to anyone, but no one else asked. I, I was really surprised, actually, Rusty, that more people weren't doing it. I mean, I, I went down, I went to the practice range really early on the, on the Friday, which was also part of my... Your first shooter there. First shooter there. Yep. Um, that was, you know, part of my strategy, because I, I guess I didn't want, um, you know, everyone seeing what I was doing, you know, to, you know, maybe... You're a man of mystery, Yeah, yeah, You're international man of mystery. Man of mystery. So, <laughs> you know, I, I did a bit of practice, and it is something that I, I, I do suggest everybody sort of you know tries to do but there's only i guess so much you can do in in preparation as well i i think with that that stage in particular it's one of those things if you haven't done it it's difficult like we spoke about this on a podcast quite some time ago it's kind of unless you've done it you don't know where you're going to be impacting 
it, it's sort of you can take a guess, but it's not necessarily going to be right. Now, where the, that particular target was, from what I understand, it wasn't low to the ground, so you couldn't see you fall a shot and use that as a reference. You had to know where your bullets were going. It was painfully. Uh, in It was not low to the ground. It was high up. It was not on good terrain to get fall a shot, and it, uh, it certainly rewarded those who'd done the... Uh, the due diligence to actually make sure they knew how to shoot that way. Yeah, and I, I obviously didn't speak to everybody, but I, I spoke to one guy who had done it besides you, and so he knew roughly where to be holding. Um, I'm not sure how he did on that particular stage, but a lot of guys just said oh, they had no idea where their bullets were going. I, I was amazed on, on the 100-metre range on the Friday. I was absolutely amazed once I'd set my rifle up to actually do it. Um, and and my uh, ballistics app as well, um, where the uh, faller shot was, um, without the adjustments put into um, to AB. Yeah, uh, it was massive. Um, and it's, uh, guessing it on a stage like that in the field in in a competition um, wouldn't leave you much chance. No, I, I do. I think I heard uh, one of the competitors uh, make the comment that the shooting like that was for the movies, and he proceeded to drill the long range target first shot. So, <laughs> yeah, as I said, there is some, you know, sometimes you may find yourself where being out to understand can't, uh, can't shooting. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great exercise in a concept that sometimes could be quite useful to know if you couldn't get level. The same theory applies, not necessarily 90 degrees. That's taken to the, well, I say taking the extreme 180 would be the extreme, wouldn't it? And that'd be, uh, who may make an appearance in future times. But anyway, I got, I got talked out of it this time around, um, but having the understanding of, of being able to adjust your rifle and being able to adjust your point of impact for it is very good. So moving on from the choice, uh, we move on to probably the favourite stage or one of the top three favourite stages from the uh, the competition was Cabin Fever. Galen, do you want to... I know this is right up your alley. Do you want to take us through? This was a team stage, first team stage. Yeah, this was a, a great stage. Um, look, I've got two real favorite three real favorites um and this would be this would be on the list um, sound like the spanish inquisition yeah um look Ca- cabin fever started with two shooters team event um one shooter or teammate inside the building which uh, was a converted um cubby house cubby house andrew's um, kids cubby house yeah so the uh, i guess the premise I, I call it the zombie stage but that i guess the premise was um that uh, the first shooter has to make their way to their teammate via a um, moving platform, which was, um, I a guess, wobble, a, wobble, a wobble, platform. wobble platform. It's like a boat type. So, um, so yeah, so the stage would start, I think we had 90 seconds. Uh, stage would start, I uh, had two, uh, two minutes. Two minutes. 120. Two minutes. Um, so the stage started with uh, me in full full gear. Um, what does that mean? Uh, okay, it's not so a Saturday night, is it? Yeah, yeah. So my Saturday night fever kit, um, <laughs> and uh, so you'd run onto the uh, the wobble platform, uh, lay prone, uh, and I think it was about three hundred and fifty meters. The you're, you're bloody close, yeah, mate. Three hundred and fifty six meters. Three hundred fifty six meters. Yeah. Um, on a, a fairly acute upward angle. Yep. As well, um, partially obscured, I think, a little bit by some uh, some 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 scrub. Um, and depends how tall you are. I mean, depends yeah, how fat you are, yeah, really. Yeah, correct, yes. For me, I sat quite high you on the platform. I could see it clearly. I could yeah. see it clearly, yeah. Um, so it was two rounds on um, to start. Um, yep. And uh, and once you've got your two rounds on, that particular time, well, you can't transition to the next position without putting your two rounds on target. Yep. Um, 
you then pick yourself up your rifle and all of your gear uh your pack or whatever you're carrying um mm-hmm. and you'd take your yourself through to the building um where your teammates uh, sitting inside with his rifle now no ammo so i was carrying the uh the ammo for my teammate yep thrust it through the window there for him good use of the word good. thrust I had to get well that done. in there. had to well get that done. in and uh, so he would he would load his uh, rifle now i can't remember 280 meters uh, it, there was a, window. a few different targets, about 220. Around about, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he'd have to put uh, put his rounds down range and not transition until he hit and then exit the building safely. I think that was actually quite uh, quite clear. It was it was really well done. There's no muzzles flashing everywhere. and um, Come through to the back of the building, shoot the same target through the back window and then front window yep. uh, through, through the entire building. And then the final shot for the teammate was um, on his off shoulder so a right hand shooter shooting on his left shoulder or vice versa um at a, an acute angle so obviously wind call came into that one and that was through trees through out to trees about 280 meters correct yeah there was a 280 and then once he's got a round on uh we were uh, two rounds i think it was wasn't it uh yeah, up to two rounds two rounds yeah yeah uh and then we'd grab our gear run back up to the wobble platform uh lay back down prone both of us and i think it was we had to put two rounds back onto that initial target Correct. but it didn't matter if i'd hit them both or we hit one each or yep. my teammate had hit the other so uh, or he'd got the two rounds on so and th- then that was the end of the stage we i think uh, joel and i um we got back to the uh to the wobble platform got our bolts closed and timed out yeah yeah no one during comp, uh, actually finished that stage. It was finished in practice, though, in testing, though. Uh, by who, Rusty? Um, we'll leave it at that. But it was certainly finished by the guys that designed it, one of them being the King of the North, who we have mentioned on this podcast before. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it certainly was a challenge. It was good fun, though. Great fun. Yeah. And, and that's one I actually did get to see a couple of times being run. And, uh, yeah, it certainly looked really, uh, really good fun. Good. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I guess that's probably a sign we'll move on to uh, stage number four. Now, this was a a very polarising stage. This is called Goal Setter. They got the guys to start out. They had four and a half minutes for this stage. And from the shooting position, there was a star dropper every 100 metres, 100, 2, 3, 4, out to 500 metres. And the concept was that you would have to pick up a target at at the shooting position, and running it run it out to one of those star droppers, put it on, run back, and then take your shots on target. Each time you hit the target was worth three points. But the kicker was that every hundred meters you covered out was worth one round. So if you ran to a hundred meters and ran back, you got one shot at a hundred meters worth three points. If you ran to 200 metres, you got two shots and so on and so forth. So if you'd run to 400 metres, you would have got four shots with three points each per impact. And um, I should clarify that the ground we were running on was not um, perhaps Olympic-level track-type ground. It was perhaps closer to a uh, Ironman-type race, but with rocks uh, plenty uh, as well. Um, and so the, the guys were left up to making a decision as to 
their fitness, their shooting ability, uh, how much time they had, and how they would run out there, put the target up, and run back. Now, the target was not hard to put onto a dropper. Um, Galen, you obviously shot this one. Uh, I've shot it as well. It was not. It was just a quick, simple drop. It was not going to chew up your time. That's right, yep. And so we um, as I said it polarised people because um, a lot of people seemed to think this was a physical challenge. Which was partially true, but this was very much a mental challenge of how far do you go and what decisions do you make in terms of uh, this stage. Other gentlemen who, um, you didn't see this one run, did you see it on the team day at all? Yeah, I had a bit of a look there. We, we changed things a little bit on the time, I think, from the team day we had through to the actual comp day. Yep. Um, yeah, one thing I was going to ask was what was the furthest anybody actually ran the target to on the, the comp Successfully, ah, see, uh, actually no. Either, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon. Uh, so on the team day, four hundred meters was done, and on the comp, I reckon some guys ran four hundred meters, but I don't think they got either all their shots off or they got all hits. Uh, actually, I'm not sure anyone got all their shots off at four hundred. Yeah, right. So. I- I remember hearing at least one competitor telling me that he was definitely going to 500, and I was encouraging him to try, but evidently he only went to 300. <laughs> so um, the 500 in this particular stage, I say it was a mental challenge because that 500 was very much a red herring. That last last 100 metres was actually quite a tough tough run. It was slightly up here a bit more. Now, we, um, we had one guy who did do some testing on this stage, and 500 would have been possible... Um, in theory, but very challenging in practice in terms of um, uh, you would have to be in the top echelon of fitness and have mm. your head screwed on really, really well to make that 500-meter one r- run. And, and then even then, now you're starting to, in that particular area, wind was quite challenging for a lot of it. So you And it was obviously the further you go away in, in sort of MOA talk, the target got smaller and smaller and smaller, so the percentage of hitting reduced uh, significantly. So that 500 metre was very much a red herring there to hopefully bait a few guys into going for. Uh, none did, but certainly messed with them and made 400 look more attractive. I mean, I would certainly say anybody that didn't attempt the 500 was probably a little bit on the cowardly side. I was hoping to see it. <laughs> I was hoping to see it be done, but... Uh, and what, you you did 503 and a half minutes and got all five shots on, didn't you, Andrew? Hours? 300 hours? <laughs> no, I had the luxury of sitting on a, a, quad on a chair bike. looking through a spotting scope. <laughs> but no... It, I like how you're making value judgments on people, though. Absolutely. Every one of them. <laughs> yourself included, Galen. Thank you. So, Galen, tell us about your experience with this particular stage. This was the first stage that I shot in, in, in my initial school squad on the uh, the Saturday morning and that must uh, suck uh yeah look it was actually really actually quite difficult for me to make my decision on where I was going to go on this one and and you say the mental game and I think very much so yeah um you know anyone anyone really there can can take a shot at one two three four five hundred meters and, and know they're going to hit it pretty much yep um so I watched um somebody I, I won't name them but I watched somebody... Again, they know who they are. They know who they are. Is that what are. you're saying? Yeah. Uh, I, I watched somebody uh, run out to 300 metres, um, uh, put the uh, put the target on, run back, shuff, shuffle back, 
um, <laughs> get down into the prone position, um, take a deep breath, close the bolt and time out. So not one round down range and certainly no points. I was a second shooter and learnt from that um, lesson. Uh, and being the elderly statesman that I am, made the decision, <laughs> <laughs> made the decision to uh, to go to 200 metres. Um, I got out there and back. Um, I think I walked the last 50 metres, controlled the breathing, got down behind the rifle, took my two shots, and uh, hit the target. Got the uh, got the points. So my my premise for the whole weekend was to not drop points or not have a stage where I gain no points, um, which is a bit of the safe option. Um, but uh, certainly on that stage, I wasn't risking not getting a round off. Yeah, I, I was very much looking forward to seeing how guys were going to run that um, because there were obviously guys from fairly differing uh, fitness levels. I was sort of hoping some of the guys, the really fit guys, were going to push it because I, ultimately, like when in, when we had our uh, sort of practice run through of, a, of the team guys on this stage, said one of the guys did run 400. Um and he got back to the mat with about 47 seconds to spare, which I believe for the actual comp, we dropped 30 seconds off the time. So it would have left him 17 seconds. I'm not sure, actually, because we, we added 30 seconds to that stage from what it was originally planned to be. But from I, memory, I, I thought we I thought when we ran it through as a team day, we were running five minutes. Yes, he might have run more on the team day, but yeah. but we, we actually added time to the original plan for that yeah. stage. Well, said so, I mean, it, running five minutes, he, he got back with 47 seconds to spare. He got, so he got four rounds. Um, he got three off, missed all three because he was just panting so hard and then timed out, didn't get the fourth shot away. So I sort of got to thinking, you know, two to 300 would be the safer bet. 200, you know, you got a fairly assured two hits. But, uh, yeah. And, and and for me, running that stage as a first stage of the day, uh, first stage of the weekend, I certainly wasn't going to pull a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> and and the ground, Rusty, I, I think you're, you're, certainly being, um, you're certainly being kind on the ground. It was challenging to run on. It was sandy, quite, yep. quite deep sand, got rocky on the way back. Um, it was up that hill. Um, knowing you, you, you know, you're against the clock, and and so it's a very, very mental game that one. Um, hmm. I, I even now, if I was shooting it again right now, I would go to 200. I wouldn't risk three. See, it's funny that because you guys are the first ones on, and you said that the first shooter went to 300 and then came back and didn't didn't go for it. And obviously, then that would have carried on the group. People would have seen that and then sort of made a decision based on that. Yet, majority of people, we we actually sort of the top score was nine points. And it was by too many to actually name. Most people got nine points, or a lot of, not most, but a lot of people got nine points on that stage. Um, so obviously 300 w- w- seemed to be the comfortable distance. And I perhaps think that maybe a few of those guys could have got to 400 and, and got 12 points, but perhaps decided to play the safer option. So it was, it was interesting. As I said, I, very much when it was designed, it was a mental challenge more than a physical challenge, and, and it did certainly play out that way and I know not everyone saw that a lot of people thought it was a real physical challenge but you review it and you look back on it and particularly in the context of how everyone went it was very much mental as I said it was it was a difficult decision for me to take the 200 yeah um knowing that I'm I'm, I'm almost certainly well I am dropping three points um but another but you're gaining six anyway correct exactly right i mean (laughs) the the next shooter after me ran out to 300 put one round down um and missed the second two 
Yep. So he, 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 he's run to 300 metres and, 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 and got the same points as he could have got if he ran to 100 metres <laughs> uh, on the first stage of the weekend. So, yeah, very, a very mental game, that one. Good. Hopefully demoralising as well sometimes. Um, I should just mention, we, we have just now brought up the top scores for each stage and um, we should certainly mention on Bermuda, we did talk Sean up from STS a fair bit. But um, uh, also on a, on the top points was Clyde Rathbone and uh, Butters as well. The other bloke that we sometimes mention, Butters. Butters. Yeah, that guy. Um, so moving on from Gold Setter, if we think we've thrashed that enough, uh, was Descent 2. I oh, know this one is range control. We had a few injuries out of this one, didn't we? <laughs> back Emotional back. and physical, I believe. <laughs> a lot of mental scarring. <laughs> um, probably... Probably in the best bit to, to run this one through. So this was a, a, a reshake of, of a stage from the previous year called Descent. Logical naming dictated it'd be called Descent 2. But I think a lot of guys um, were pretty happy to see this stage back because it was quite a popular one from the year before. Yeah, and sure was. Yeah, Lots the, of smiles the year before absolutely. from the first one. The concept was you effectively run down a hill, shooting on your way down and then leg it back up. And it was a team stage and... This year is completely team stage. Last year it was a bit of a, a hybrid. I don't know. There's been much discussion on that, Galen. Um, but this year has been a. It was a full team stage. There was no individual points. And the idea was you start off, run to your first position. You shoot prone out to about the 550 mark. Uh, run down. Um, throw your gun on a hog saddle. Um, you got no time to sort of prep the hog saddle. It's just pointing the rough right direction, and shoot a target at three. Uh, sorry. 281, uh, then run down, shoot a target on what we call side prone. So rather than being behind the rifle, you're off to the side of it, um, which is, I think, a lot more guys were familiar with this year, perhaps, because the first year they had no idea what to do. Uh, that was about 300 metres, and then run down a little bit further down the hill, shoot a uh, popular target at 100 metres kneeling run sideways, actually sort of through some trees, and then pop out on the other side and then shoot from a standing position, a fox at 120 metres. And then they would find themselves back on, those who shot last year would find themselves back on the original descent run and run themselves back up to the top of the uh, hill. Um, and then that hit a little buzzer or a, a horn thing and that'd blast a noise, at which point the second shooter would then complete the same task as well. And... Uh, it was one point per impact, plus there were some bonus points if you finished under a certain time as a team. So there's incentive to, to keep moving quickly um, as well. So um, the guys were excellent. There was no safety breaches on that particular stage, which was brilliant uh, to see. Uh, nice and safe. Uh, and we did have a couple of injuries. Um, fortunately enough, we've actually got both of those injuries on, uh, on video. Um, and neither of them were significantly uh, of, of any sort of massive uh, issue um, we, we pulled both of those guys out on quads uh, but they both were able to get to the top it wasn't to the point where they couldn't walk themselves out so um, anytime you do that you're going to always always going to have some sort of uh, um, risk of uh, physical sort of uh, challenge but um, yeah the boys who are do did end up with that were very good about it and um, we nursed them back to health so which was good to see yeah, this was uh, definitely a stage I heard a little bit of whinging about, not sort of looking at anybody particular in the room. Galen? <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> I, I, I didn't... Um, yeah, I didn't shoot this one very well. Um, 
I hit the first target prone. I was a second shooter. Yep. Um, hit the first target prone, went down the hog saddle, hit that one. Got to the side prone shot, the third shot, and timed out. Um, so yeah. Oh, okay, because you were second. I shooter was a second the, shooter. Yeah, gotcha. So the yeah. first, the the first shooter, my teammate had um, run the full course. Yep. Got through to the air horn, blew the air horn, um, and had had simply taken a little bit, you know, a little bit of the time up. But being a team event, uh, and I was not actually at the time aware that it was a full team only event that's that's become clear now to me <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was under the impression that i i would lost an opportunity to gain points um points for your personal like for my score, for my yeah. personal score yeah we um, should, should clarify that so last year uh, descent was a uh the points for the impacts were based around the uh individual score but the points for the overall time was based around the team score and which was yeah an interesting dynamic to throw in because it made some people make some decisions based on one or the other um and they they could sort of play a tactical game now this year we decided to make it completely team um and there actually was time limits on each individual run last year was this time it was overall so um yeah your, your team and obviously what then made sense to you in, in due course was that oh okay that doesn't affect my individual score because um it would be unfair otherwise if your first you know if your teammate uh took way too long which then impacted on your ability to score your own points and we tried to make sure that there was no no aspect of your teammate would definitely cost you points. Some stages where they might give you some advice, might be bad advice, and perhaps you shouldn't listen to it, but um, the, the team-only stages were, were um, very much team-only. And and for, for me, you know, looking back three weeks, you know, to that event, to yep. that, that stage, uh, a perfect uh, example of um, a shooter not understanding the course of fire uh, after the briefing, um, myself, I mean. Um, so a very important thing that I learned from that is, you know, make sure you understand the course of fire. Yeah, I mean, look, as an RO, I, I sort of tried to be very clear. Like, I'd explain the stage to guys, and then I would say, is everybody, can everybody identify the targets? Does everybody understand? I, but it's a, I mean, like that stage we're just talking about with you, Gail, and I, it's pretty, pretty easy to miss a little detail if you're trying to sort of if you're trying to get your head around distances and yeah. work out your drops or whatever there's a lot going on second stage for the day yeah correct and and i mean as i'm getting the stage brief i'm writing my dope card off my my uh, my dope card on my arm yep um writing distances writing um my dial for elevation uh and looking at the wind and and, and doing a lot of things in in that three minute period um and yeah I missed, actually I missed five minutes five minutes felt like yeah three. felt like two minutes uh, but yeah, I missed that detail, and um, yeah, oh, look, it's just the way it is. I, I didn't shoot that stage. Well, I, I, sh- I sh- hit everything I shot at, so I shot it okay. Well, so uh, you basically you pulled your weight for the team, anyway. Yeah, well, I did. Yeah, and and my teammate actually shot that stage really well. Um, so I, I don't think as a team we really um, we really struggled too much. We, we we gained as many points as we possibly could on that stage. Oh, well, yeah, good. but I don't think you were the only one that, at least initially, was. Uh, was thinking, oh, great, you know, I'm going second, I don't have as much time or anything like that, but, yeah. As I, was. I think looking back right now, I would probably have strategized with the teammate and said, okay, who's going to run this stage better? You? Okay, you run first to hit the five targets and, and gain maximum points. If, if I'm the weaker shooter, possibly, maybe you run it, 
you know, second and, 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 and give that first teammate the chance to get as, as many points as possible. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And and this is the joy, I guess, of this type of uh, discipline being fairly fresh uh, in the country is that in time, um, you know, you're taking so much in now, but, you know, when you go to the PRS in Mildura and then um, onto the NT shoot in August, um, that stuff's probably going to be less and less of an issue for you because you go, I'm so quick on the data and all that sort of gear, I'm, I'm going to really listen and concentrate on the team brief. And, and that, that information that, you know, you're talking about now will obviously be shared across a number of people. And, uh, yeah, um, mentioned to um, Team Ice-T, Andy McNeil and Nick Halliwell, who top scored on that particular stage with uh, seven points. Um just so you know, Galen, you guys are on six, so you weren't far behind. Yeah, not not far off, and and no. and they shot, they shot, um, they shot really well. D- they shot really well, and, and and to be fair, Nick top scored on that that yeah. stage last year as well. Yeah, correct. They they shot very very well. Um, they shot after me. I watched them shoot the stage. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, they they approached it well. They actually strategized. I watched them do that. <laughs> um, Amazing, and, how much and, difference and look, they, they shot it really well when they came, and I think they got bonus points for coming yep. in under time. They did. I think they hit as many targets as you did, but they uh, came in slightly under time. Just briefly, it's probably worth noting that all you people listening that shot on this competition, we uh, we only name the people that do well here, <laughs> and the ones that don't do quite so well, we just refer to them as unnamed individuals. <laughs> <laughs> Can't deny it. All right, good. So we move on to the first of Andrew's stage. Andrew, do you want to um, take us through snooker? Okay. Which is, again, one of the top three favourite stages, I suspect. Almost certainly because I was the one running it, I would imagine. Probably the only reason. Yeah. The stage itself was rubbish. Yeah. Another, another modest guy. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, Can't shut you up, can we, Greg? Yeah, no, I'm trying to keep it down. <laughs> Well, Greg, you can have some input with these because you were closest in proximity to these. Uh, I heard gunshots, so yeah, that's that's yeah, as close as I got. You're probably asleep half the time too. But. No, he had enough coffee to wake him up. I, yeah, I think I did fall asleep. But no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, basically the snooker stage was, if anyone's familiar with, with snooker being you know the eight ball, no, not eight ball, the <laughs> snooker <laughs> billiard table type game, you have basically... Yeah, it, for this version of it, we had a red target which was relatively close it was 220 metres away and then all the corresponding colours which were yellow, green, brown, blue, pink and black now um, the, on this particular stage they had to engage the red target Yep. and then nominate a coloured target any of them from fur, you know furthest, closest whichever they could each, each of those coloured balls that are um, Andrew was talking about was out roughly about a hundred meters or so out. Yeah, uh, each, each color sort of moved an extra hundred meters for the ball. Yeah, sort of starting at three hundred and thirty-three meters for the yellow, going out to eight hundred and ten for the black. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the black ball was certainly the hardest. Yeah, definitely the hardest one to hit. It was sort of in a spot where you couldn't really see your fall a shot yep. so well. Um, so basically, they would nominate a ball. And uh, next to where the shooter was, was a box with all the balls in it. Anyway, so they would nominate you know, a particular colour they were going to shoot on. They would remove that appropriate coloured ball from the box and just place it out of the box. And then they would have to then engage that target. Now, that once they'd nominated a particular colour, they would have to keep shooting until they hit it. And then they would have to come back, re-engage the red ball, then nominate another colour and keep going on 
in such a fashion. They, there was no particular order. They could choose whichever order they wished. And basically, it was 120 seconds, unlimited rounds. So, you know, effectively, the, the two closer ones were worth one point per impact. The next two were worth two points. And then the furthest two targets were worth three points per impact. So it was a pretty interesting stage because... And, and they had to hit the red ball in between each... Yeah, and that was with no points. No, but it was it was interesting to watch because some guys were getting stressed. You know, they would maybe nominate the further targets first, yeah, you know, and then they'd hit one of them when they'd come back, forget to dial their turrets, and then you know they're trying to shoot a two hundred and twenty meter target and missing badly and getting frustrated. As a, a spectator, I guess it was pretty entertaining to watch. Um, yeah, and, and quite simple stage. I would have thought. I mean. I guess I was running it, so. But from a shooter's perspective, Galen, it was fairly straightforward. It wasn't overly complex stage. Certainly not in my top three of of favourites on on the day, but certainly in the top four, um, a fun stage. Uh, I approached a. I, I don't know how other people approached it, but I approached it um, in that because uh, you know having a transition back to the red the red target between hitting a colour. Um, I decided to ignore the lower value scores, um, which I think were on the right hand side, the brown. Um, there was there was a bit of an arc to it as well, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah, they were spread out. No, it was probably brown, a forty five degree. Yellow and green, or something was over there. Yellow and green were the closer to. Yeah, correct. So I ignored those and I went straight for pink, which I think was the second furthest. Yeah, pink was seven hundred yep. meters. Yeah. Yep. So I went uh, red. Uh, went out to the 700 metre target, the pink one, back to the red, and then I hit the blue and brown uh, quite solidly. I, I think I, I, I got more first round uh, and uh, ended up with, um, I think I tried three rounds on the black, which was about 800 metres. 810, yeah. Um, and I, I actually didn't hit the black. So I, I kind of tried to reap as many points as I could. Um, if I had put around on that black, I would have then come back to to kind of scoop up some more points on the uh, the lower value targets. Um, I think if 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 I recall, um, Scotty Patel shot that like a a, a, a demon. He he, he, he shot that. Did. He smashed it. I think um, there's one target he didn't get. Yeah, he he smashed that, and I I think um, I I didn't dial. I I held for everything. Yep. And um, just simply to save some time, um, I, you know, in hindsight, I'd dial for the 800 uh, again, but um, I'm not sure how Scotty ran that. I, I, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I don't really recall exactly. I, I know that that other guy from the Northern Territory just held everything. And he did fairly well, I think. That guy we don't mention. Yeah, yeah. that guy. That is. That um, is. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Andrew, what what um what were the approaches you saw on that particular stage? Because it was one that you could, it was so open as how you approached it. Well, that was sort of what I was looking forward to seeing was it was a stage where people were very much left to their own devices as how they were going to attempt it. Yeah, whether rather they than rather than just or... yeah rather than a stage where this is how you have to shoot it. Hmm. Um, most guys, I would say, started with the closer ones and worked their way out. We yep. had a couple of guys hit the longer ones first and then move their way back. But I would say the vast majority actually went in in range order. And seeing seeing all of that, if you were to shoot it now, which way would you go? Personally, I'd probably go furthest to closest. Yep. Um, I mean, so, there, was some, there was some tricky wins there. I mean, 800 metres is not 
a super long shot but it was it was sort of where the target was located it was it was difficult i mean i was looking through a spotting scope i had a much better view of where things were going and it was it was difficult one of those stages you really had to look closely and carefully yep. through the spotting scope to see where the fall of shot were going let alone through a scope coming back from recoil so yeah i, I personally would have started with the 800 and, and got the hard ones out the way first if I recall, you couldn't transition to the next target um, without getting hit first. That's right. Yep. So that's why I didn't go for the 800. Because if I'd struggled on the 800, I'd get no points. I knew I'd... and I, I mean, we can all hit 800, right? But, well, well hopefully. But that was a challenging Craig's 800. Here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could hit 800. It was it a wasn't, challenge. It, it wasn't was a, a thermal target. So no, it, it, was, it was heated up it enough tissues. It wasn't a fox. <laughs> um, it was a challenging 800-meter target, as Andrew says. So that's why I went pink blue and the brown to get some points Uh, and then I thought hey I've got some more time I'll go for the black um, and try and reap those those interestingly though and this is the way I would have viewed it personally is you didn't have a round count on this you could have as many shots as you wanted so if you took a few to get on at 800 you could just bam 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 and if you watched your fall a shot you had that time to you know to put three or four out there hit it and then move back you know to the closer sure thing targets so I think that's how a couple of guys viewed it, but hmm. not the majority. Majority of guys wanted to leave that till last, and then they put themselves under that time pressure. Yeah, interesting. It was. Uh, I think that's why it was popular because there were so many approaches to it. You could have taken it so many different ways, and uh, and it certainly challenged out. We, we had one guy hang around for a couple of days of private training afterwards. And he could not wait to get back up on that top of that hill and shoot snooker and did for uh, quite a long time. We used that as a, as a big wind training exercise up there. Yeah, and this just sort of touching on what we spoke about earlier about stages where your teammate could actually help or hinder oh, you. Oh, yeah, that's right. This this was a stage where I saw at least two pairs where the the teammate, we allowed them to spot and, and call corrections for their partner. But the scores were done... Uh, Individually individually and then that account towards the team as yeah. well. Yeah. So obviously it was a yeah, you would try to help your teammate as much as possible. But I saw some if, <laughs> looking through a spotting <laughs> scope very frustrating wind calls that were made that were you know completely wrong and you know the and the shooter honored those calls and held where they were told to hold and just further out and didn't go well. No, it, it's one of those stages that as an RO you just you just wish you could just go it's not going there, it's going <laughs> here. Um but no, I think that's, again, that kind of thing will improve in years to come, you know, with guys that are actually familiar with, you know, guys sort of, you know, the typical, oh, a, a bit to the right, a, a bit up, uh, whereas the guys that were really onto it were making, you know, specific correction calls, which is good. So we're going to leave that there for this uh, episode. Uh, end up being quite a long episode. So uh, we're going to cut it short there. Uh, it was a really good fun comp. Uh, and we really do want to give you a good perspective of what happened. And uh, you know, from, from running it through to actually shooting it, uh, we think most of the guys had a really good time. So uh, we'll leave it there and we'll be back into it in the next episode. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile.